How are you guys doing? All right. I like this. This is good. Uh, Hey, turn with me to Acts chapter 8. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that today is going to be a pivotal moment for your life. It's going to be a pivotal moment in this church's life. As we said last week, we're, we're understanding the Trinity. And to understand the Trinity means that we begin to understand all that we can know about God. Here's the series goal again, if you weren't here last week. The Trinity is the key to knowing everything that we can know about God. Here's the deal. When we begin to understand that God is three in one, that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then we begin to understand how we approach him, how we speak to him, how he speaks and approaches us. How we respond when he says, yes, no, stay, go, do, don't, I will or I won't. We know how to process that and we know how to move in that. We know how to honestly live daily in the presence of God. And so last week we started to wrestle with that. Here's the thing. If we grasp the Trinity and we seek to grasp this this nature of who God is, his roles and responsibility, then there are outstanding and miraculous things that God will do in our lives daily. I want to say that again because some of you just didn't believe what I said. If you seek to understand and live in the tension and the balance of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you do that every day, You will live in the presence of God, and there are outstanding and miraculous things that God will do in your life every day. And here's why some of you didn't believe me, because your faith is so tame. It is so safe. Like, you have your thing. Like, you you believe in Jesus. You believe that God is Father. You follow his commands the best that you can. You know that Jesus died on a cross for your sins, that he rose from the dead, that he's coming back. But there's this other thing about God that we have to grasp today. And I want to wrestle with it because I think it is probably the most misunderstood and self-limiting aspect of the Trinity in most Christ followers' life. And that is the Holy Spirit. Today I want to talk about the Holy Spirit because here's the deal, and this is why I think it's, it's powerful and it's terrifying all at the same time. The Holy Spirit is the clear, personal, and unavoidable voice and presence of the entire Trinity. I'm going to say that again. The Holy Spirit, which Jesus described in the scriptures or in the gospel as water and wind, a flow in our life that is ever-changing, that is ever-moving. Wind, something that you can't see, but you can see the effects of. The Holy Spirit is the clear, present, and unavoidable voice and presence of the entire Trinity. I want to keep that up there for just a second. I want to talk about these, these ideas for a second. The Holy Spirit is the voice and presence of God that is clear. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it is going to be clear It is going to be absolutely, in all of the distractions of your life, in all of the things that we pile on, and all the sin cycles that we continue to run ourselves through, and all of the busyness that we pile on to our life, even all of the religion that we kind of make, make God complex with, the Holy Spirit has a way of cutting through all of that pride and all of that fear and all of those distractions and say, hey, here it is. You need to stop 
doing that. Or you need to do this. It's going to be clear. Absolutely crystal clear. It's going to be personal. The Holy Spirit will speak to you personally. The Holy Spirit will say something to you that he may or may not say to me, but it's going to be unique. It's going to be personal to your life, to your strengths, to your weaknesses, to your wiring, to your wounds. The Holy Spirit will say to you, hey, let's look, look over here. There's something that you need to see. You need to link up with these people over here because I'm, I'm going to do something with all of you, and it's going to be uh, outstanding and miraculous, and God's going to get all the glory. But it's going to be personal to you even though it may be in the context of a community or a group. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to say something absolutely personal to all 200 plus of us today. But you know what? It's going to sound a lot the same. If we were to lock eyes with each other, we're going to be like, yep, that's what he's saying to me too. Yep, that's what he's saying to me too. Yep, that's what he's saying to me too. But here comes this other thing. The Holy Spirit is the voice and presence of God that is absolutely unavoidable. And this is what I mean. We cannot tame the Holy Spirit. We cannot manipulate or control the Holy Spirit. Oh, do we try, though? Do we try to do this? Because here's the thing. The Holy Spirit cannot be controlled. He will come to you clearly. He will come to you personally, just like he is doing right now. And it will be absolutely unavoidable what he is saying that you should act Think, feel, or do. And so here comes the deal. When we, when we step on, onto the cliff of understanding the entire Trinity and understanding the Holy Spirit, all we can do in the clear, personal, and unavoidable voice and presence of God that is the Holy Spirit is obey or disobey. That's it. Because it's going to be clear. And it's going to be personal. And it's going to be unavoidable. You can't control it. You can't silence it. You can't manipulate it. You can't spin it. You can't bargain with it. And so what's that leave you with? You either obey it or you don't. The Holy Spirit says, you know what? Look, I know you're not. I know you don't like to get emotional. Okay, I know you want people to think that you're not in control of your emotions. But I want you in this third song just to raise your hand ever so slightly, baby steps, just as a sign of surrender for you and the people around you. Heck, no, I'm not doing that. No, 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 I just want you to do it. I just want you to do it. Just, just, just baby steps. We're, we're not going to go full charismatic here, but just, just, just baby steps. I remember I was sitting in a gathering just like this about eight or nine years ago. I was actually this, the, the teacher at this gathering. It was a gathering of college students. Uh, we were at a church downtown and uh, the person leading worship just said, hey, everybody, I just want you to just, you know, just jump up. Just jump up. And just start, everybody around me just started jumping up. I was like, I'm not doing that. That's, that's, that's silly. That's crazy. And the Holy Spirit said, no, I want you to jump up and down like you're crazy. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. No, that's just, that's emotionalism. You know, it's just, you know. And I just sat there and argued. And finally, the Holy Spirit says, jump now. And I started to jump up and down. And before it was over, something happened. I walked away from that situation and I go, I don't get why I did something that I normally don't do 
in a context of worship. And I don't know if God will ever ask me to do that through his spirit again, but I know in that moment he said, I want you to look ridiculous for me. Let me tell you something. When the Holy Spirit gets clear, personal, unavoidable, it will flip you out. I think Lynchburg needs some Christians that are scared but obedient of the Holy Spirit. It will embarrass you. The Holy Spirit will embarrass you. I was talking to my daughter this week. We were having some dad time. We were sitting at a picnic table. She was eating an icy or drinking an icy, just kind of slurping on it. She was talking to me about middle school, friends, boys, homework, all those things. We're laughing, we're talking, you know, it's just a great moment. Then all of a sudden I just said, hey, tell me about your brothers. How are your brothers doing at school? You know, you, you, she kind of mothers them, you know, anywhere and everywhere they are. And we kind of have to, you know, reel her in. It's like, hey, it's, it's, I love that you want to nurture your brothers, but you're not their mom. But, but every now and then I'll tap into that nature at hers and, and she'll, she'll, she'll tell me, I'll say, How, how's your brothers doing at school? She said, oh, they're doing fine. You know, they're friends and teachers and, you know, socialization, all that good stuff. She goes, hey, can I be honest with you, though, Dad, about something? I was like, sure, what's up? She goes, they're really starting to embarrass me. Like, girls, do you remember that when, when your brothers or your siblings, you, started, you just got to that age where it was just like, uh, yeah, we do that at home, but we don't do that at school. Like, they don't get it. Like, they'll see her up in the hall, and they'll run up, and they'll start doing crazy stuff that they do at home. She says, they start acting hyper and boyish. And it embarrasses me in front of my friends. I said, okay, well, you know, tell me more about it. And so she's kind of explaining to me, you know, she goes, I just don't know what to do about it. She goes, I feel bad about it. She goes, I know it's wrong. I know I shouldn't feel this way and so on and so forth. So she, she feels bad about it and, and she's trying to, and I, just said, I said, hey, it's, it's okay. And, and, you know, we talked through it and I said, you probably need to talk to them about it. But, but here's, here's, what I, here's what I loved about this is that she went through her own process and she realized that it really wasn't her brother's fault. It really wasn't their problem. They were just being them. They were just being her brothers. They were being the same kids that they were at home, at at school, and vice versa. And that she was the one who sort of had the problem. She was the one that was trying to kind of separate things. And and she was the one that needed a little perspective that these two little guys would someday be two men who would have her back the rest of her life. Can I get a witness, big brothers? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. When, when, uh, When God pulls up, to take her on a date, there's going to be two guys sitting on the porch with dad going, hey, let's, let's see what's going on here. See how embarrassed you are then, baby girl. <laughs> I didn't say that, though. But you know something? We, we, when we think about the Holy Spirit, there, and we're going we're gonna to see this, and we see this even in the, in, the, in the Acts church, is that what the Holy Spirit does is scary it's uncontrollable and it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing sometimes what the Holy Spirit asks us to do. The Holy Spirit sometimes asks us to call up a friend and confess a sin to them. Hey, I want to I I just let you know that what I, what I said today wasn't true. I, I, 
I wasn't being forthright with you. I want to tell you I'm sorry. The Holy Spirit will, will get a hold of a, a strong Harley Davidson guy in a service just like this and say, I want you to go down front and be absolutely pathetic in front of everybody and tell everybody that you need help and you don't have it together. And all that big burly armor that you hold is just false. It's protection. It's you trying to control things. It's time to get clear, personal, and unavoidable voice of God in your life right now and say that you need help, that you cannot kick this on your own, that you are alone, that you are desperate, that you are afraid. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And man, let me tell you something, that's embarrassing in a group of people that we think might think something different of us. It's scary. The Holy Spirit's scary because it's Holy Spirit who, who will say, hey, I want you to go across the, the cul-de-sac and befriend your neighbors and get integrated in their life for the sake of love and for the sake of the gospel. And it's going to be inconvenient and it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be a little bit scary. But that's what the Holy Spirit does. He scares us a little bit. The Holy Spirit can be embarrassing because what he does is he he strips away all that stuff that we get good at. We get good at being Christians. We get good at quoting the Bible. We get good at being moral people that people look at and go, well, he's a really nice guy. And then the Holy Spirit all of a sudden says, you know what? Every, you've got this reputation that you've built, and that's great, and that's wonderful, but you're living double-minded, and you need to come clean, and you, know, you start dealing with some things in your life. And you need to start with God, and then you need to start with people. Man, that is embarrassing, especially in a town that prides itself on clean Christian living. I don't know about you, man. I don't, I don't want to be a part of a church, though, that's embarrassed by the Holy Spirit. Look, I don't know if the Holy Spirit's going to ask you to jump up and down, but if he does, man, you better do it. And it's our problem if you get embarrassed by it, if we get embarrassed by you, if we're scared of you. If the Holy Spirit says that you need to go to Uganda and spend the next season of your life there, man, that's you, you just got to do that. The Holy Spirit is the clear, personal, unavoidable voice and presence of God, and it will scare you to death. And so here's, 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 a, here's how we typically respond to the Holy Spirit, especially in Western Christianity. We either obey, disobey, or try to tame him. We try to tame him. Try to quiet him. I have no doubts that many of you here today revere and respect your heavenly father. You get the commands, don't lie, cheat, steal, kill. Okay, love God fully, love your neighbor as yourself. You get the big voice of God in scripture. I have no doubts that many of you have surrendered your life to Jesus. You believe that he is God's son, that he died on a cross, that he's coming again. But the Holy Spirit is a whole other thing in your life. I think today is the day that you can live in the power and the presence of God like you never have before daily, turn by turn, word by word directions, where literally God is helping you make every decision of your life through his clear, personal, unavoidable voice and presence in your life. 
What would happen if a group of people in this town got a hold of that? Got a hold of that. Look what happens in Acts chapter eight. This interesting dilemma in the first century church. We never see it before or after this moment. Look look what it says, verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. In other words, they had heard the gospel of Jesus Christ preached to them and they had surrendered to the gospel. They They had said, yes, we believe It says, they, the church, sent Peter and John to Samaria. Remember, Peter and John are some of the original apostles of Jesus. They were with Jesus for three years while he was on earth. They saw him do outstanding and miraculous things, including rise from the dead. So the Jerusalem church, which is filled with Jewish believers, goes to the Samaritans who have just recently believed. And this is one of the first times in the church where we see this historical tension between the Jews and the Samaritans beginning to get healed and breached. And none other than Jesus and his apostles would do it. So Peter and John go to Samaria. And what happens, verse 15, when they arrive... They prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit. What? What do you mean? Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. What in the world is going on there? Because when we see in Scripture in the New Testament, when someone believes and calls on the name of Jesus and is baptized, that they receive the Holy Spirit. For the first and last time in Scripture in Acts chapter 8, we see, though, that there is a delay in this group of people receiving the Holy Spirit. What is going on here? A lot of people have written a lot of things about this. Here's the consensus that most people believe. Most people believe that the Samaritans needed to see the Jerusalem church's authority And therefore, God withheld the Holy Spirit so that when Peter and John came from the Jerusalem church and laid hands on them, that the Samaritans would go, okay, these guys are legit. And some would even argue the opposite, that the apostles themselves needed to see the Samaritans receive the Spirit Spirit right in front of their eyes. So this tension between the Jews and... And the Samaritans, the Jerusalem church, and now this new Samaritan church would be be healed. And it would be right there in the clear presence, unavoidable presence and voice of God. The apostles see these believers receive the Holy Spirit. These believers seeing the authority of Peter and John and the Jerusalem church in their life. All of that sounds good, but here's what we know. For whatever reason the Spirit was delayed in getting to them. Whereas everywhere else in Scripture, it is consistent that upon conversion, upon the surrender to Jesus Christ, the Spirit comes. And that will happen to you today. I believe that some of you today will surrender your life for the first time to Jesus Christ. And you will know immediately the clear, personal, unavoidable presence of God in your life. You will know it. 
you will know it. Your life won't get perfect. You'll still struggle. You'll still live through this life going through ups and downs. You'll still look at the Bible sometimes and go, I don't get it. You'll still, you'll still have moments where you're like, I doubt this whole thing, but I promise you today, the Holy Spirit will continue to be clear, personal, and unavoidable in your life as you grow up. And I believe that some of you today will surrender your life to Christ just like these people and immediately God's presence will be in your life. But something was delayed here. I want to get bold and I want to say something and I don't want it to be misunderstood. I believe that there's a little bit of a delay thing going on in our little piece of the pie here in the greater church. I'm not... I'm not saying that Lynchburg area Christians don't receive the Holy Spirit on time. I'm just saying I do believe that many of us believe in Jesus and are baptized and read our Bibles and even pray. But for various reasons, the Holy Spirit is one of those powerful things that we try to tame and quiet in our life because he might ask us to do something unbaptist. Yeah. He might ask us to do something unmethodist. Don't worry. We're not going to pull snakes out. But I think, I think, I, I, just, I just have to think, you know, I, I've, there have been seasons in my life where I have got, God, I believe you. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm living a path that, that, that I'm trying to stay morally and spiritually, you know, on target, live a life above reproach, confess sins quickly. Even I, I believe Jesus, I, I believe his death on a cross is, is salvation from sin but the Holy Spirit just has this, just like this corner place in my life. The small voice of God, the turn by turn, word by word directions of God, because it's scary and it's embarrassing sometimes when he takes over our life. People start thinking that we're radical. People start thinking, oh, well, I just kind of got really, really religious. You know, they're always talking about, yeah, God was telling me today. God was telling you? <laughs> really? Like God speaks to you every day? Yeah, yeah. Like right now, he's even saying that, that I should affirm some things that are going on in this conversation. Ooh, that's creepy. Ooh, that's creepy. That's crazy. That's charismatic. Yeah, what's up with that? The Spirit embarrasses us. Because our pride, our pride is at stake. No longer can we just go around talking about being a good Christian. Now we have to go, you know what? I don't have it together. And the Spirit is making that very clear to me. That I have this secret life over here. I have these inconsistencies over there. 
and, and I'm hiding them and I'm trying to control them. And the whole time the spirit is saying, you need to deal with this. You need to deal with this. You need to deal with this. And so I just keep quieting and taming that spirit. No, 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 no. Let's just, no, no, no. I got this down. I got this down. Uh, I'm keeping it clean. Everybody knows I go to church. Everybody knows I'm reading my Bible. Every... I talked to a man recently who said he begged God to speak to him clearly. He was at this place in his life where he was just honestly just desperate to hear from God. He was walking in and out of church numb. He was walking in and out of church feeling like he was losing his faith and just losing everything about it. And he said, God, just speak to me, please. I want to hear you. And he was in a service just like this. And he said he heard from God and God said explicitly, I want you to get rid of your internet. And he knew exactly what that mean. He was, he was submerged in a life of lust and pornography. And, and the biggest gateway to that was the internet. And he heard in that service, the Holy Spirit say to him, I want you to get rid of the internet. And immediately he started to bargain. Because remember, it's personal. He, Holy Spirit might not say that. In fact, he may say, boost your internet today. Okay, get a, get a T-line in your, in your house, whatever that big giant line is. Okay, I'm out of, my, out of my... To this guy, he said, disconnect fully. Disconnect fully. And he sat there and he, he said, well, you know, I need this for work. This is my job's dependent upon it. Uh, you know, what about this and what about that? And he just started bargaining with the Spirit. And he literally said to the voice that said you know, to him at least two or three times in this conversation, no. I'm not going to do it. He said, from that day on, he has been desperate to hear from God. And I said, well, why why don't you just, right now, man, just say, God, I want to hear from you again. He says, I'm too scared. Do 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 you understand that? I'm too scared. And And I believe that. I believe that that keeps us at a very small place, a very powerless place in our faith in God. Man, we will quote scripture. Man, we will, we will tell people, thus saith the Lord. We will dress up and we will keep our lives clean and pure. But man, the moment that the Holy Spirit gets bold and terrifying, mm-mm. and here was a group of people in the first century church who were saying, we want that spirit. We want it. And the apostles show up and say, verse 17, Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Wow. And it blew their minds. Here's a group of people that were desperate to hear the spirit, the clear, personal, unavoidable voice of God in their life. And it said that the apostles, and we see this over and over in Scripture, it says that they laid their hands on them. Man, that freaks us out as Americans, doesn't it? We're like, we're, we just don't like people touching us, do we? I gave a guy a bro hug last week. This is a guy I added in. I was like, hey, man. And he literally was like, oh, oh, oh. Like, hey, man, I'm married, man. It's good. I mean, it was embarrassed. Like, like we, were, we were in a crowd of people, and I was like, I was like hey, man, you know, good to meet you. Oh, 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 okay, okay. 
We just don't like people touching us. We don't like people in our space. And we don't like God touching us. We don't, we don't want him like, we don't want to cry. Like I, I, I did it this morning. I was sitting there singing stronger and I started to cry. I was like, nope, nope. I'm a hypocrite. I don't want to cry. I don't want anybody to see that I don't have it under control, especially my faith. And the Holy Spirit, the whole time we're singing that song, is like, do you really believe that I'm stronger? Do you? Yes, yes. Raise your hands. Okay. And then I start getting emotional. I'm just like, no, no. I am a man. I'm a ball-headed man. <laughs> That's all you get, Holy Spirit. Hands raised. What? What? What what if the Holy Spirit today told you to go to your wife and and confess sin? That's too scary. It's too embarrassing. What if she leaves? It doesn't matter. What matters is you are obedient. She's responsible at that moment to the Holy Spirit who will tell her, turn around, forgive him, rebuild this marriage for the glory of God but I can't control that. No, you can't control that. When did you ever think you could? When did we start thinking that this life was about what we could control? You can't tame the spirit. You can't quiet the spirit. He wants to mess you up. He wants to scare you to death. He wants to embarrass you for the glory of God. And if you'll get on board with that and I'll get on board with that, man, watch out Lynchburg. And I don't mean in these just senseless experiential things. I'm just talking about, yeah, we follow Jesus and his life and and all that goes with that relationally. But we also listen to the Holy Spirit. Didn't Jesus listen to the Holy Spirit? I mean, isn't that what he said was a part of the whole deal? I've come to do the will of the Father. I give you the comforter. I give you the guide. I give you this gift. When I leave, he will come. He will come. Like, that's your faith. He's going to unite you in one baptism, in one spirit, in one love. Jesus said it before Marley did. And he's here right now. And I believe that it's time for us as a church to ask for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we've, we've got lights, we've got cool lights, and we've got haze, and we've got well-crafted, well-trained musicians. And man, they do a great job. We love what they do. But you know what? If the Holy Spirit said, get on your knees today, Walk across the aisle and ask forgiveness. Come down here and weep. Walk out of here and make a phone call. Go write a check. Go buy an airplane ticket. Will we do it? Or will we start bargaining 
Listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 11. He says, don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This is not a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. What's Jesus saying? He's like, look, God wants to give this to you. You don't have to, you don't have to light a hundred candles or say a million Hail Marys. Just say, God, speak to me. Speak to me right now. And God says, okay, well, let's start talking. If your little boy asks for a serving of fish, do you scare him with a snake on his plate? If your little girl asks you for an egg, do you trick her with a spider? As bad as you are, he's like, look, as bad a parent as you are right now, he's talking to me, he's talking to you. You wouldn't think of such a thing. I wouldn't. You're at least decent to your own children. And then he does what he does and he says, and you don't think that the father, the perfect, holy, righteous father who conceived you in love will give the Holy Spirit when you ask him? The Holy Spirit. Like he will give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him. Well, what, what if he gives me a snake? He's not gonna give you a snake. What if, he, what if he gives me a spider? He's not gonna give you a spider. He's gonna give you the Holy Spirit, the clear, personal, unavoidable presence and voice of the Trinity. I'm gonna ask the band to come. And while they're coming, I just, you know, we, we've been talking about Elisha Kalich the last couple months, young boy here at ETR who was hit by a car on his bicycle and has been in an induced coma, in and out of an induced coma for the last several weeks. Last week, we prayed for him and his family. We prayed for a miracle. And you know, here's what's so powerful about this. And I asked I ask his parents if I could share this with you guys. And every day, his his body wakes up a little bit more. You know, it's like, it, his body was nearly dead. There was just a little bit of life left, enough life to sustain him. And then it slowly is healing. And, and now he has obedience to certain commands. You know, he can hear in sort of this comatose state to move his, his hand or his arm, and he'll do that. And then the next day, something else. And then... And then they'll say, okay, now open your eyes. And he, he opens one eye just, just slightly. And then the next day, you know, open both eyes. And, and both eyes are open, but both eyes are cognitive of what's going on in the room, but there's still no communication yet left. And, you know, when I think about Elisha, I think what a powerful parallel to Christ's church. What a powerful parallel to Brentwood Church that some of us are waking up. Some of us are like, I'm not going into another gathering where the Holy Spirit isn't just pouring out on people. I'm not going to go to another like, hey, let's get our church on and get on with our lives. Like after today, 
you will not accept anything less than a total outpouring of God's spirit on a group of people where two or more are gathered about his name, about his business. Man, he is there in the midst. And you will be able to walk into people playing church and go, mm-mm, not today. Chipotle. It, the, the guacamole is better than that. Some of you are waking up and you're tired of being false and you're tired of being afraid of the Holy Spirit and you're tired of taming him. You're tired of controlling him. Now you want to speak boldly. You want to speak lovingly. You want to take word by word, turn by turn directions. And you know what? Sometimes people will think you're crazy and sometimes people will think you're creepy, but you don't care because it's the spirit in you and he's moving you and he's changing the world through you. But some of you are still asleep. I want to give you an opportunity today. Some of you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ today. You know that God is pursuing you and you are here today to do that. And I want to invite you to come down here and let some people in this church pray over you. And if somebody comes down here, a man comes down here, I want three guys. I don't care if you know him or not. Get in his space and lay hands on him. If a woman comes down here, I I want at least three women. I don't care if you know her. Just come down here, lay hands on her, and let her pray. Let him pray to receive Christ. But I believe some of you, man, you accepted Christ a long time ago. And you believe in Jesus as your Savior. And you believe in, in your Heavenly Father as the authority of your life. But you have tamed and silenced the Spirit. And you have a very manageable Christianity. And it doesn't get you in a lot of trouble. It doesn't scare you too much. It doesn't embarrass you too much. But there's no power in it. It's sleepy. It's not changing anybody. And maybe today you just want to, you want to stand up and you want to raise your hand and say, God, pour out your spirit on me like that. Maybe you want to come down to and have some men or some ladies in this church lay hands on you and say, hey, in the spirit of the New Testament, we're just going to lay hands on you and pray alongside of you. And what the Spirit is doing in us, He will do in you. Maybe you want to sit there. Maybe you want to get on your knees and pray. I don't care, but just be obedient to it because that's the only choice we have with the Holy Spirit. That's it. It's clear. It's personal. It's unavoidable. I can either obey it or disobey it. That's it. And so as this song plays... Sit, stand, come forward, just be obedient. Father, right now, I ask for an absolute outpouring of your Holy Spirit on this body right now. It's in Christ's name and because of him that I pray this. Amen.